Hi, my name is Carrie Halls. I'm the general manager at Auntie's Bookstore. And I'm Claire Davey. I am the events coordinator at Auntie's. And welcome to our very first episode of Dummy, Dummy Copy. <laughs> where your favorite bookstore degenerates get lit. <laughs> um, we thought we'd start off by sort of uh, introducing ourselves a little bit. Um, like I said, my name's Carrie. I've been at Auntie's Bookstore since 2017, uh, pre-COVID days. Um, I've always been a reader to a point. When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with reading. Uh, I always felt like I had access to books. We were at the library all the time, summer library reading programs, or if you read X amount of books, um, <laughs> you would get like a pass to Elitch's, which was a... Uh, amusement park in Denver where I grew up <laughs> so it was like bonus I'm gonna read anyway and now I get to go on roller coasters I love a, I love a small business amusement park <laughs> yeah a, a little bit sure that every ride is gonna kill you see Elitch's <laughs> was more legit but we had another one called Lakeside <laughs> yeah. and that was the one that was like bargain Elitch's <laughs> Lakeside did not participate in the library <laughs> reading program in the summers though um they hate reading they, they hate, hate, they hate childhood literacy. Hates literacy everybody <laughs> just saying and probably you'll die if you go there so just two two strikes i don't want to know what the third one is um but yeah I, as a kid i read a lot um and then i sort of moved into my preteen teen years where i dealt with a lot of uh i don't know i don't know depression-y stuff suicidal stuff. I ran around angry a lot and my reading kind of dipped because I don't know, I guess that doesn't go with being a very, very moody teen person uh, until uh, I can thank Phyllis Barronway for this. Um, this was the start of it. Uh, she wouldn't let me read Farside comics in free <laughs> reading. <laughs> and so I suddenly realized that reading could be sort of a form of rebellion, just like anything else um so i started reading exclusively to piss will you my tell teacher train spotting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i started reading exclusively to piss phyllis barren way off um and the first book i picked uh was train spotting by Irvin welsh and this was eighth grade <laughs> that i picked this book so i was like oh i'll show you a real book <laughs> we're gonna go with this and so i would sit in the front of the class during our free reading period with the book like propped up so she could see exactly what I was doing and she couldn't say shit because that's a I mean that's a real book it's a real book Phyllis there are no pictures in this book thank <laughs> god <laughs> so would, the text is very the text small is, the text is very small um, it's very long some would say too long there is a glossary in the back <laughs> because it's all written in sort of like what uh, like very like heavy Irish <laughs> Slang. If I had noticed the glossary, I probably would have finished yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> is it Irish? Is he Irish or Scottish? Is he Welsh? He maybe he's Welsh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, boy, this is off to a great start. Um, we know what we're talking about. We're professionals. We're professional booksellers. Um, but yes, and then it's just, uh, and I don't know if she even gave a shit. She probably didn't care, but to me, it was a victory. And so I started, yeah, Irvin Welsh. Um, what else was I into? Uh, I read, um, I don't know, that, that sort of phase of just reading the most shocking thing I could find lasted a while. Um, so it was like Irvin Welsh, Chuck Palahniuk kind of fell into that, although he's a solid writer, but it was a, it was a mood. Shocking, I think. Shocking, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, what else? Uh, American Psycho, that 
was in there, um, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, but also kind of in that same t- period of time, I took a philosophy class that, um, he assigned Alice Monroe, The Lives of Girls and Women, which... I just rolled my eyes in the back of my head. <laughs> Alice Monroe. Yeah, total departure from, you know, like Chuck Palahniuk. But I totally fell in love with Alice Monroe in that same time period. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of like slowly started turning um, to, to more literary things. Still love weird outsider shit. But, um, yeah, it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that like stuff that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't shock on the outset still has real emotional power. Um, so yeah. And then that kind of like from there at this point, I'll read just about anything that has, I don't know, some sort of emotional resonance for me in it. And a lot of time that ends up being sort of outsiders struggling with trying to maintain, you know, a sense of self in a world that's totally absurd. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's kind of, I guess in a nutshell, a little bit. Well, where I'm at, reading-wise. Yeah, I, you know what, and I do, like, and I do think a lot, I think you and I have talked about this at work, but mm-hmm. just sort of the way that that kind of early reading, mm-hmm. like, certainly informs my work life now, uh, but then certainly my reading life, like, I do think about my reading life as sort of the lens I've always seen the world from. I'm, um, I've been working at NCs for about three and a half years, and in my current role for about two, I think. Mm-hmm. And then for much of my life, I was a professional ballet dancer. And when I was not a professional ballet dancer, I was training for that, which was very time consuming. <laughs> but my, um, which is kind of a big piece of this because I feel like most of my early reading uh, was driven by availability. I was a kid a lot. I was, ki- I was a kid and I read a lot. Um, and I was obsessed with not being bored. Mm-hmm. Like that was so important to me. And so I always had a book in my back pocket. Um, and I'd always just read like whatever was laying around. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough that I have these two really amazing, much older sisters. They are 16 years and 14 years older than me. And nobody in my fam- family read very much um, and nobody was reading literature. But my sisters left for college and just left all of their books behind. <laughs> they just left them. <laughs> literature. <trail. laughs> Um, and so I ended up just from a really young age, just having this like really like amazing, like curated collection of like literature at my fingertips in this one little, like we, it was like the TV room in my family had all of the, had these four little like cubby holes that each were a different room. And there was the library room where we kept all the books. And so Danielle and Jasmine's books lived there and often they're like marginalia and they're really like uh, distinctive handwriting was still there. Oh, it's yes. So, cool. so I know I got to just like see what my sisters who I felt very close to and very seen by like thought was cool, mm-hmm. which was just like really magical. Um, and then when I got older and I was you know more serious about ballet, um, it was just sort of the same thing. What can I get my hands on? What can I read between rehearsals or whatever? And then when I moved away from home, I lived this really itinerant life. Uh, after I graduated from high school, at one point I had lived in six cities in five years. Mm. And it was just sort of Crazy. the thing where you just make the library work for you. So mm. I always I always read like a lot of, I have like, just I for a lot of this period I just like had a love affair with the New Yorker like cover to cover every week because it came every week <laughs> and, and it uh yeah and it was like easy to read while you're stretching or whatever but you know I'd read about things in the New Yorker or online or whatever so I had this running list of like that was like four years old and I'd be like okay the Phoenix Public Library doesn't have it 
but maybe the one in Chicago does, mm -hmm. or like alternately, maybe the large print section in Chicago yeah. has it, but they don't have it in regular print, which is well, something that happened a that's lot. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. you're, you're just a fan of old lady books, I guess. I am the old lady yeah. whisperer. <laughs> I kind of am. I was yeah. thinking about this. I was like, I mean, in the way that you liked stuff that was weird and gross right off the bat, mm -hmm. I was always, I was always like deeply into like religious fiction oh, and yeah. I was like I don't know if anybody is familiar with the um the term bow girl but I was like oh. a prototypical bow girl which means you're like really interested in like turn of the century literature and have oh. a lot of bows and would really oh. like to own a pinafore okay yes so a I really pinafore. loved <laughs> like and I really loved all of these like really funny kind of like I don't, I, like, I no longer think of them as stodgy, but I reread Little Women over and over again, which is something I would like to talk about more in length eventually. Yeah. But then even just sort of, like, the weird moralizing stuff, like Frances Hodgson Burnett's A Little Princess, which is something that my oldest sister gifted to me, just this beautiful copy that I read over and over yeah. and over again. It was so yeah, moved by... Yeah, it's fun. My Jasmine actually worked at Antis too, so I have kind of a childhood I, collection. I worked with Jasmine. Yeah. I worked with, I, I'm a returning uh, a repeat <laughs> offender, I guess, at Antis. I work. I've worked here since 2017, but before that, um, I worked. I got it. Gosh, 15, 17 years ago, something like that. I worked at Antis with. Jasmine. <laughs> yeah, and a lot Claire's of his older sister. Yeah, and it was fun. Jazz, Jazz like had a book club. She was living with my parents and she had a book club with Andy's people that was hosted at my house. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember being like eight years old, like sitting at the table reading Aww. like one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich or whatever. <laughs> and just like, no, but really just feeling really um, like the idea that there was this whole new world where people cared about books and this mm -hmm. was something you could organize your life around with was just really revelatory and neat for me because yeah. it's not something I got anywhere else, which is the same as my ballet career. Like, I always felt like my reading was something really private because mm -hmm. I did, it was just sort of made up my every waking hour that I wasn't spending, you know, admittedly doing the very time-consuming work of ballet dancing. But yeah. um, but then I retired from dancing and I, I got to Antis and it was just like, it just like felt like this is what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Like, just like showing up and feeling like, no, I am made to be a bookseller. This is something I'm already good at. And yeah. I love it. And I love being around these people, yeah. which sort of brings us to, I think, Carrie and I's relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you applied and the first thought really was like, wait, that's Jasmine's sister. Like we were like, Claire Davy, that's Jasmine's sister. Uh, and uh, so it was like first like, hell yeah. Um, and then... It was you and one other person, and the other person was also great, admittedly. Like, it was a tough, it was a tough choice, but Claire was so <laughs> clearly, like, a reader she attached with her oh, application no, resume. I'm actually a little embarrassed about this. It was, she attached a list of all the books she had read the year before, and it was a, it was a burly list, and it had some really good stuff on it. Um, and on the auntie's application, even, there's a space where it's like, what are your favorite books? And... Oftentimes it's fairly like, okay, yeah, you know, like classics you read in high school or, you know, and like, which is nothing, not poo-pooing that at all, you know, like anything that you read that hits counts, you know, like, but it was just like, oh man, this is a person that reads, you know, like this is a person with discerning taste. So she beat the other guy out easily. We were just like, you know, these are both great people, but there's no way to say no 
to this person, you know, like she's, <laughs> she's, she's, she's one of us. We have to, we have to bring her on. But no. And it really is that one of us yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I think that the moment where, I mean, certainly not the first moment, but a moment where I remember feeling like that really clearly was, mm-hmm. Um, the first book club that you and I yeah. went together, mm-hmm. and we read Otessa Mashfeg's Eileen. Yes, the book club has yet to be named. Yeah, and has been for like three <laughs> and a half years now. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but Eileen. I mean, yeah, and just hearing which, which I think is in my mm-hmm. top fifteen of oh, all yeah, time. Oh yeah, definitely. I, that, that book is amazing. Yeah. Something I will revisit once mm-hmm. a year for the rest of my life. It's a really good Christmas book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so bleak. Legitimately, though, a Christmas book. So if you're looking for an alternative next year at the holidays, pick up Eileen. But it's bleak. It's about uh, a very messy woman, which we've talked at length about. It's another thing we, I'm sure, will come yeah. up many times in this. Um, messy, but not like pathologized. No, like, the messiness isn't pathologized. Like yeah. Eileen, obviously, has an eating disorder and mm-hmm. obviously is traumatized by being like an abused child of a mm-hmm. of a alcoholic father, yeah, who she but, now has to in the book. She is his caretaker yeah. after after that. Um, but yeah, oh man. But just like dealt with so just like holy and with such like wit, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yes. And that's one thing about, I mean, everything I've read of Otessa Moshfeg is she, that wit shines through even when she's writing about something really gruesome or really heartbreaking or really hard. Like there's still that piece that's like, She's just brilliant, man. Yeah. She's just so good. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, this is not yeah. going to be the last Otessa no. Moshfeg. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, diversion. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. But talking to you about that mm-hmm. and just, like, hearing that you and I both felt sort of seen by that book yeah. in a way that, like, sort of other representations of harmed women mm-hmm. never, they feel pat or yeah. trite or yeah. whatever. And I, and that, and I think that that is something that you and I share. Mm-hmm. And I think that something like that we will probably delve into on this show. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, flash forward to pandemic year where <laughs> we lived very close by, uh, each other, uh, summer of 2020. Yeah. Summer 2020. I guess it would have been summer after 21. We went back to work and we felt yeah. like we could see each other. Right. Again. Yeah. After yeah. like the full on shutdown. Um, and just sit on the porch of your apartment building with our other buddies and just chain just, smoke yeah. and just crush, yeah, crush PBR. PBRs yeah. and Rainiers <laughs> and talk about like the books that were getting us through or conversely for me often the absolute block the total reading slump that the pandemic sort of created like back and forth this weird wild swing between like oh my gosh I just devoured this book and oh my gosh nothing I read is interesting right now I can't even focus yeah and I I sort of had the opposite one but I think that reading has always been my therapist and I talk about this has always yeah. been a coping mechanism yeah, for yeah. me so as soon as I was doing I think in I think in March I think in March 2020, mm-hmm. or I guess it would have been April. Yeah, whatever. We shut down. I I think I I think I did like 35 books or yeah. something. Like it was just like I would just lay there and be like, I don't feel very good. <laughs> I'm just gonna. 
<laughs> but I read a lot about the, I- the Iraq War. Oh, wow. Weirdly. That's, I don't, yeah. That was weirdly comforting to me. Nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, that, when all of the problems yeah. are so far away. Different times. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I do think the pandemic is sort of the genesis of you and I yeah. getting together in, in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is something that we really love. Yes. Yeah. Thank and we're you. happy and excited to share it with our Spokane listeners. Heck yes, we are. Um, and I think now might be a good time for Carrie and I to go have a little treat. And yes. you can enjoy a song. <laughs> Beautiful.
And we're back, ready to go. How's it going, Claire? Good, Carrie. <laughs> Good. Um, we thought we would do a quick little moment um, of sort of uh, introducing some of our favorites and maybe least favorites uh, yeah. of just our reading history. Um, so let's start with a real quick rapid fire. Claire, what are some of the best things you've ever read? Okay. Ever, or the things that spring to mind. The stakes are too high. Otherwise. Stakes are too high ever. And it's just some of the things. Here's the thing. Anytime someone says to me, hey, what's your favorite book? I automatically forget every book I've ever read. Oh, <laughs> oh Carrie, I, yeah. I do, in fact, have an answer to this question. <laughs> yes. Favorite book of all time. Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Yes. It's about heaven and Idaho. <laughs> and it'll change your life. I have the receipts uh, on the note of books about God. I love Graham Greene. Mm-hmm. Power, Power and the Glory. Last Priest in Mexico is on the run from the army. Crying out for another adaptation. <laughs> um, as mentioned earlier, Moons of Jupiter by Alice Munro. Oh, oh, it introduced me to the idea of having an inner life. Also, that women can string a sentence together. Yes. Uh, Lolita, I will physically fight. <laughs> I will physically fight. I will say it again. I will hurt anybody who tries to tell me that that book is problematic. Um, <laughs> Read it again. <laughs> I also really love Amy Hempel. I do. I think that, I mean, brevity is just such an important skill to have as an author. And just her, like her, she's so funny and so poignant and just like makes a whole emotional universe out of one sentence. I just think that Amy Hempel uh. can do no wrong. Um, so particularly her collection, Tumble Home, <laughs> which is just really important to me. Um, and then another thing I will not apologize for is Mm-mm. David Foster Wallace's Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen the memes. Yes, they are funny. That book is amazing. <laughs> yes. And you know, sort of fuck the idea of like a guilty pleasure. If no. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. That's yeah, good enough. That's I think so. Okay, Carrie. All right. Don't think. Just answer. Favorites. Okay. Favorite. Top. First. First one that comes to mind. Uh, the Stranger by Albert Camus. Um, I read that for philosophy class. I read it in one sitting, and it was a book that sort of uh, gave me that feeling of like, oh, books can be like this. Um, I am really kind of obsessed with Albert Camus' ideas about um, sort of the absurdity of life. He was real big on the fact that he was not an existentialist. He was an absurdist. um, And I think that's a great uh, example of it. Um, Geek Love is the next one by Catherine Dunn. Uh, Fun fact, the two books that I own the most copies of are The Stranger by Albert Camus (laughs) and Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. I will buy any cover that I don't already have. And Stranger is bonus. It's translated so I will buy any translation I don't already have because <laughs> I'm that person. Um, but Geek Love, again, was one that I read and was just blown away by the way that woman can put a sentence together. No, I'm, I'm rereading it right now. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, it's, our, it's our book, book club. club selection yeah. this month. Dude. It's so good. Anybody, I I can't even. Um, Fran Lebowitz Reader is on my list just because I am obsessed with Fran Lebowitz. I think she is amazing. Um, I just stumbled upon the uh, Pretend This Is a City show with she and Martin Scorsese on Netflix, and I was personally offended that nobody told me about it. I'm so sorry I didn't (laughs) tell 
you about it. That's not I knew you, that it existed. Not, we didn't think against you, Claire, but it was, I was just I like. I did think about you, Why though? didn't Netflix send me an email personally to let me know? Don't they understand how obsessed I am with Fran Lee Woods? I just think she's amazing. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't. Um, In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado was one that I was totally blown away by. Formally, it's really kind of stunning and amazing. Um, as far as a, a subject matter, I feel like it's stuff that hasn't been brought up before. Um, she writes about her first relationship with a, another woman that ended up being deeply um, psychologically abusive. Um, it's a really hard read, but it's also a really sort of revelatory read and really I, formally inventive. Like it's, yeah. it's structured like a fairy tale, yeah, which is like amazing. Just yeah. these little vignettes, um, where she talks about her relationship. She talks about her childhood. She talks about queer history. It's just, it's just mind blowingly good. Um, we passed the arc around the store. It's well used. <laughs> I still have it. I will never give it up. You can pry it from my cold dead hands. Um, I love Akwekia Mezi. Um, they are a Nigerian writer. Um, they've been writing just for the past few years, but they are hugely prolific. They have three books coming out this year. One's a book of poetry. One's a YA novel. One is a romance novel. Um, their take on a romance novel, though, which means it's going to be yeah. not what we typically think of romance as. Have the arc for it. Haven't read it yet, but I am drooling over it. What um, did uh, what did Akweki Yemezi write that's out that you liked? Um, Freshwater was their first book, which was absolutely stunning. Um, but I love, love, love The Death of Vivek Oji. Um, oh my god, it's so good. Uh, I, I ugly cried at the end of that book. Um, yeah, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, and then pick up everything else that they ever write. Um, and then follow them on Instagram, too, because their Instagram account is just incredible. And uh, uh, they're just, uh, I don't even know how they exist in the world. But I'm glad that they do. <laughs> they make it a better place. Uh, yeah. Yes. Love it. Um, let's do a, a hard turn and talk about some DNR books, some books that maybe didn't quite make the cut for us. Just us personally. Just just, just us personally. Our own personal opinions on yeah, things. Nothing. You know, nobody's. No. Everything, everything that people, there's yeah. no wrong way to there's like something. There's no wrong answer. Like we said, there are no guilty pleasures. Just because somebody else doesn't like it doesn't mean you can't, but just because somebody else does like it doesn't mean you have to. So. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> important. So yes. we are talking about our DNR books, mm-hmm. our do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'll start. Yeah. Uh, sheepishly. <laughs> I'm gonna be but less, forcefully. I'm gonna be less sheepish in a minute. <laughs> I am so bored by Bukowski. <laughs> I actually have a funny bookstore story about oh. making fun of this very young man buying Bukowski yeah. repeatedly. Uh, that it's not my finest moment as oh. a bookseller, but I was young. We're just uh, people. We're just people. <laughs> 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami, mm-hmm. which is like 900 pages long. Yeah. I read all of it. And <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel better for it. I don't. It doesn't I, make any sense. Well, that's, he's one of those that, like, matters to a lot of no, people. No, he's some. He's a lot of people's yeah. favorite writer. And I've just, yeah. I liked After Dark. I thought yeah. that After Dark was beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah just yeah. 1Q84. Yeah. yeah people are always doing things like going for a stationary bike ride and <laughs> eating a well-balanced meal. Yeah. Just like, I don't want that. I want people yeah. who are drinking a fifth of vodka for <laughs> lunch. That's what I want. 
Um, this one is controversial. Another, mm. like a lot of people I know, is like favorite book. Mm-hmm. Hanya Yanagihara's A Little Life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yeah. I, another long one that I finished in spite of myself. <laughs> uh, Michelle Welbeck. Not that interested in yeah. uh, people talking about wanting to get their dick sucked. Yeah. I mean, That's maybe right. in certain contexts, but yeah. Not him. No. <laughs> uh, so I read, yeah, I read Elementary Particles and just mm-hmm. couldn't care less. Yeah. So, uh, and then also, American Psycho is 250 page long, pages too long, and I am aware that's the bit. I am aware <laughs> that that is the bit. Watch mm-hmm. the movie instead. A lot of the dialogue is lifted whole cloth. Yeah. Don't care about American Psycho. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, Bateman is a good... Right, that's it. What yeah, but yeah, Patrick Mitten. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Brady no. Stanellis. The person who played him in the movie. Oh, uh, uh-oh. That guy. He was in The Machinist. He was Batman. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Chris that was, Bale. That was a good Chris casting Bale. choice. Yeah. Great casting oh, choice. Great. It was a great yeah. movie. Movie's better than the book. Yeah, there you go. Hot take. Happens once in a while. Yep. Um, all right, uh, mine. Uh, I'm going to start with House of Leaves by Daniel Lewski. I believe. I think. We're not sure, um, but we're also not going to Google it. No, because not right now, because uh, this colors. is rapid fire. <laughs> um, I tried. Uh, it just felt really gimmicky to me. Um, I just, uh, maybe I was being a lazy reader, but I just didn't want to turn the book around in and, different and angles so many times. Oh, were the... T- the text yeah. was like yeah, oriented. The text is oriented weird and oh. in weird sort of ways, and you can't just read it straight through. And it just felt like, don't make me work in that. I'm willing to work through a book, but not in terms of like turning it upside down and flipping to different pages. And you gotta work on know. your upper body strength, Carrie. I that's probably what it is. <laughs> I'm just too weak for that book. Okay, fine. Another book that's too heavy for me to hold is Moby Dick, and I didn't finish that either. Um, but I did get a 4.0 on the paper I was supposed to write for it. So I don't know what that says about me or Moby Dick, but I think I've uh, done my job here on that one. Um, Infinite Jest... Uh, It's not a forever DNR. I would give it another whirl. It was just one that I picked up, started reading. I think there was just so much hype around it that it didn't... The cultural legacy around David Foster Wallace is something I have spent an embarrassing amount of time (laughs) talking about. But, uh, yeah, it just didn't stick when I tried to read it. Um, Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand. I mean, I don't feel like there's a whole lot to say beyond just, like, pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pass for me. Oh, no, we have a... I know this is rapid fire, but I mm-hmm. do like our joke at the <laughs> store that whenever a young man comes in and tries to buy Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> we make a joke that he needs a note from his mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, shit, and I had one more. Oh, Chuck Klosterman. I'm going to say yes. Chuck Klosterman right? overrated. Why have I read so many Chuck Klosterman? I don't know. Books? I just no. keep trying. And right? I, every time I'm just like, nah, still. I, still uh, nah. So I read, I read Sex, Dress, and Cocoa Puffs in high yeah. school and like mm-hmm. remember having like a really pleasurable experience with it. Yeah. I just tried to reread it because I think it's one of, I think it is somebody's step pick. Yeah. That book has aged like hot milk in the sun. Yeah. Like it is so, <laughs> oh my well, gosh. The new one, the new one, the 90s. Yeah. I'm actually more interested. I'm, I just listened I am interested to, in that. I just listened to an interview Maybe about that. Maybe that'll be the one. Really, yeah. I mean, he seems like he's matured. Yeah, maybe that'll be the one. I mean, not that Sex Dress and Cocoa Puffs was immature. No, but, I mean, but it just, just like, wasn't. He's not. Just, it's like, what are you saying? Yeah, just like say something. something. Just, <laughs> yeah, say something. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah, you know, not everything's for everyone is the point of this little exercise. And there you go. You have your own list. Don't judge us. Yeah. Yeah. Come I on. mean, or do. Or do. I'm like, come at me, bro. Yeah, bro. Especially you know about Lolita. I'm obviously <laughs> yeah. like itching for a fight You're about Lolita. Ready. Um, we don't have an email address yet, but by next episode we will. So put a pin in it. If you're angry about any of these, email us in a couple of weeks and we'll address it. Or email Luis at TPG Radio. There you go. <laughs> he'll, he'll forward it to us. Uh, just make sure that he knows that you're not mad at him because he has nothing to do with this. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he also hates Lolita. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he loves Chuck Hosterman. So don't worry. <laughs> I have no basis for that. I'm just kidding, Luis. You are a beautiful man. And we love you. Mm-hmm. The most tender place in my heart is for strangers. I know it's unkind, but my own blood is much too Around the ceiling half the time Hanging around the ceiling half the time talk about some recent reads yes yeah we are <clears throat> um i was going to start yeah we just talked about this sure i don't know i was in the kitchen well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i had a ton of time to read mm-hmm. uh last month because i was out of work for 15 days mm-hmm. because my very lovely boyfriend got covid so mm-hmm. i thought i had covid 
and then I actually got COVID. And as we discussed earlier, I think that a weird gift that the pandemic gave me is more time for silent, sustained reading, mm. as we would have said in elementary school, <laughs> than I had had in a while. So I read a lot, and I read a lot of really great stuff. And Carrie is going to laugh because I like didn't shut up about this book for like <laughs> a, a while. Uh, but The Secret Lives of Groceries by yeah. Ben Lore. Um, <laughs> I don't read a ton of nonfiction. Uh, and like it was something where I was just sort of like I was like shelving essays. I was yeah. like at the store and I just sort of like plucked it like sight unseen off of the shelf. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. <laughs> like it was so good. Like to the point where I immediately picked up his other book that was still good but yeah. less good. But uh, essentially, the Secret Life of Go- Groceries is four or five essays about the modern grocery store and the sort of systems in place to. Uh, sustain it. So there's um, a piece about sort of the birth of the modern grocery store, the modern supermarket, which at the time was a bizarre revelatory experience. Like people talk about walking in and just beginning to like openly weep at just like the abundance (laughs) and the idea that you could touch things. And it was like a really departure from the way that American life had been before. Uh, And then he sort of contrasts that with the Trader Joe's business model, uh, which was really interesting. There's another piece about uh, he is goes on a long haul trucking run Mm -hmm. with this woman. uh, And that is like ends up being a lot about our modern supply chain and like what that means globally. Uh, He also worked at a Whole Foods in New York Mm. City for uh, 90 days. And I like, you know, page back and like looked at the pub at the pub date. Um, and it was, the book was published right after Amazon bought Whole Foods. Oh, interesting. And I was like, okay, like, how is he going to address this? Yeah. And then he does in the last chapter in a way that was sort of master, masterfully wrapped up. But what I really loved about this book is I, I felt like he, he has a lot in common with Mary Roach, I Oh, think. sure, yeah. yeah. Where it's just sort of this, like, gonzo style of journalism that's mm-hmm. just, like, funny and smart and just, like, insanely well-reported. Yeah. Like, I kept just thinking, like, this book ran his life yeah. for three years, probably. Like, working at the Whole Foods, spending a week on the road with this trucker. Like, yeah. he, like, went to Thailand to look at shrimp farms. and Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just... It was so wonderful. And it was, yeah. like, one of those things where you, like, you just can't wait to get back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would sort of just, like, I'd get home from work and my friends would text me and ask if I wanted to hang out. And I'd just be like, ugh. <laughs> 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 um, and, then, and then I got COVID and so yeah. I could read it all I wanted. <laughs> yeah, good excuse to stay home and read. <laughs> um, and then the next one just came out, I think, on the 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, very Cold People by mm-hmm. Sarah Manguso. Mm-hmm. Manguso. I don't know how to say her name, but she she is kind of a... It sounds like she's a fairly prolific nonfiction mm-hmm. writer, like an essayist, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... It's amazing. You yeah. you read it, right? Karen? I did. I, yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but I... Um, gosh, I'm probably like halfway through. And it really is... It's something else. So yeah. It's es- essentially, and it reminds me a lot of the... Um, sort of narrative memoir Mm -hmm. that you and I have both been reading lately. Um, Spoiler alert, we are doing, we are working on our Black History Month episode right now by doing a lot of reading. (laughs) But it is, it is, it is fiction, but Mm -hmm. it is essentially like following chronologically a childhood of a young woman Mm -hmm. growing up in a New England town with 
in, in a pretty dysfunctional family system where her parents are cruel mm-hmm. and then also really cheap. Yeah. Um, and everybody around her is not okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also, like, really, you know, talking a lot about sort of the work that goes into appearing okay and fearing and appearing normal. Yeah. Um, and her family's, they're, they're immigrants, right? I don't think so. Is that so. not, am I No, I think that else? one of, this, it's almost like immigration. Yeah. I think that her mother's family is very, very wealthy okay. and they are not. Yeah. 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 But they, I mean, I think, and then that sort of like, there's definitely like an outsider feel yeah. to it. In definitely. Really yeah. Compelling. And what, one thing I'm really interested in is that our, our friend, one of our friends who works at another really wonderful independent bookstore in town, Giant Nerd Books, Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, right after I started working at Antes and we didn't know, ever, know each other very well, and I think about this all the time, Taylor said to me, I think it's really hard to write about, it's right, really hard to write from the perspective of children. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's so true because your inner life when you're a child is so like legible to you. Yeah. I really deeply believe that children have all of the same thoughts and feelings as adults, mm-hmm. but they don't have any language for yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. They don't have language and they don't have uh, the same sense of perspective. Yeah. There. You know, it's just yeah. all sort of like the things that are happening right now are the things of yeah. your life because your life is short yeah. and things that become commonplace or that you can look back on as an adult and go, oh, well, that wasn't that big a deal. Like things hit harder when you don't have anything else to compare them to, you know, like the first, the first experience of whatever is going to just like, you know, like, I mean, and I think that also the sort of the lack of autonomy too Mm -hmm. is, is really flattening. Yeah. Like it's like, I, this is, this is just what is happening Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's, I have no power over it. There's no way out. So she, she just like threads that needle amazingly. I mean, and this book follows her until she's 18. And so to sort of see her grow up, this book is so, um, it's so evocative. Like I, I like felt cold when I was yeah, reading it all the yeah. time. I would just like, I would like be, you know, I'd get up and like feel cranky just yeah. cause it was yeah. so like unremittingly sure. blink well, and not that it's going to like make you feel cranky. No, but, it is. but it's like, it makes you feel something which yeah. is like a great no, that's part of reading. That's why we read a book anyway. Yeah. Um, and I really like how it sort of, it's like these little chunks, you know, and it's like, it's a, it's a linear story. It's not nonlinear, but like, it's sort of like, sort of jumps from moments to moments in a way. Like there are moments where it's like this thing happened and then we're onto this thing, you know, like it, and it's sort of like these little snapshots kind of. And I think that that sort of speaks to like, like a growing up experience or like a, like a memory kind of experience where the memory of your childhood is not like this fluid, continuous, whatever, you know, it's like these things that happened, you know, piece yeah. by piece, these, fe- these things that happened. And then this feeling, yeah. like yeah. I remember the way the world smelled when mm-hmm. I was eight years old. Yeah. I remember how the grit felt on yeah. the school floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I'm so, I was just so impressed yeah. by this book. Like really I do good. think it's just like, um, yeah, just like like just talking about Amy Hempel, just like a feat of distillation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing I wish I had had when I was a little younger. Like yeah. when I was not that I think that literature like needs to be instructive or therapeutic, and of course mm-hmm. it, it can do those things. Sure. But there is something to be said for the right book at the right time, mm-hmm. and yeah. to sort of like have such a portrait of like 
childhood and adolescent depression uh, would have been really clutch for me. And then also at the end of the book, spoiler, Carrie, I'm sorry. <laughs> at the end of the book, she kind of swoops in and is like, all of my friends are doing feel the same. Yeah. Um, like there are a couple of her friends. No spoilers. Yeah. But they, they feel the same. We are all leading these really bleak, sad lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I just, yeah, can't, like it's really good. It's also, yeah. it's also not very long, yeah, which is always which is nice. I always wonder if people are a little bit insulted by me yeah. saying, you should read it. It's short. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just like, like trust me. It's also me. like, yeah. If I'm wrong, it's short. It's short. And also, you're going to be amazed at how much... (laughs) how much this person packs into a short page count. Like sometimes you read these books and you're like, how did they get all of this in here? This is less than 200 pages or whatever. And like, yeah, it just got me. Um, Pithiness is next to godliness. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So speaking of sad stories and also COVID, um, (laughs) I read this book called Burnt Coat by Sarah Hall. Um, I think it came out in November, December. Um, I finished it in December. Um, most of the books I've read recently don't come out for another couple of months. So grasping at straws, but not grasping at straws. Cause this book was really good. I've actually read other Sarah Hall books and she has quite a few novels out, but she's never, um, she's based in the UK and she hasn't gained a huge amount of traction in the States. Um, and I don't know why, because her, her stuff is just really moving and really good, but Burnt Coat, she wrote actually during lockdown. That's when she started it. It's been so, sorry, just Mm -hmm. to interrupt you. It's been really fun to see how COVID has made its way into contemporary novels. Yeah, it's been interesting. Sally Rooney's new one, which Mm -hmm. I didn't love, but at the end of it is a COVID novel. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's like, yeah. 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 Uh, So, so (laughs) Sarah, (laughs) Sarah Hall wrote this during lockdown. Um, And it has to do with uh, a pandemic and a lockdown. It is not a COVID pandemic. It's actually, it's a, it's a virus that's a lot more kind of extreme. Um, But it sort of jumps back and forth between her life with her mother, who at the beginning of the book, um, uh, it's the point of view of uh, the protagonist as a a young girl and her mother has um, an aneurysm and survives it, but is sort of, is, she is changed. Um, so their father leaves, she stays with her mother and they kind of live off sort of in the moors a- away from people. And it's just really, it feels like a fairy tale, um, that part. Uh, and then the protagonist, she's a, a well-known artist. Um, and so it jumps back and forth between like her time with her mother as a girl. Um, and then her time during this pandemic, she has just fallen for, um, this man, who works at a restaurant um, right before the shutdown. Um, And when the shutdown happens, he comes to stay with her in this sort of warehouse space that she owns and works in. Um, And it's sort of the story of how they get to know each other and fall in love um, during this time of, of total upheaval, total uncertainty. And it's really moving. Um, it's really sad. It's another one that's, it's a sad book, but it's really, it's just so good and so moving and, and sort of how she survives um, these kind of two major losses in her life and sort of deals with um, how the one sort of leads to the other in a way. Um, but it's just beautiful, sort of like this sort of juxtaposition of of uh, the pandemic experience and, and 
people sort of dying and panicking and not knowing how to deal with it against this really sort of like intense and romantic depiction of, of like true real love. Um, and I just really liked it. It sort of shook me out of a really long reading slump too. I'm read that. <laughs> it's really good. I have the arc. I'll give it to you. Okay. I'll give it to you. It's really good. I think you would like it actually. I know. And it also is like pretty mm-hmm. would feel legible to me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you would really like it. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great. And the cover is really striking. <laughs> and yeah, like I had read, it was funny because I had read a book called Electric Michelangelo by Sarah Hall years ago. And I remember seeing this book and being like, oh, I want that. And then I, I got the arc and I was reading the author bio and it was like, oh, Sarah Hall, author of Electric Michelangelo. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> All right. I'm on board. I was on board anyway, but I like this person. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I've read two of her books and I loved both of them. So there you go. Sarah Hall, check her out. (laughs) Make her a thing in the States. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then also we've been reading, it's February. It is, it is Black History Month. Black History Month. And uh, aside from our book group pick, which was picked a couple of months ago, actually at this point, um, we have been only writing or writing, no, only reading (laughs) stories, books by black authors. Um, And uh, we've both become sort of Well, I'm new to the party. I had not read Toni Morrison, which it's like (laughs) I always knew that was a massive hole in my reading history. But now, like, I read Sula at the beginning of the month. Yeah. (sighs) No, and then Carrie, Carrie, so Marlon James, who Mm -hmm. Carrie and I both really love, um, loves Sula. Yeah. And Carrie was like, oh, I'm I'm finally reading Sula. And I said, oh, let's let's book club it. So I grabbed it from work. I sat down after work. Mm Mm-hmm. That same night, I was just done. Yeah. Like, it was so good. It was, yeah. I can't even verbalize right now yeah. how good it was. We're, um, we're really, we're really excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I have periodically, the last few February, Februarys, I've tried to only read black writers during mm-hmm. Black History Month. Yeah. And even just looking at sort of my top five faves at the beginning of the show, like, mm-hmm. it's such a white list. Yeah. And I, um, I am excited. I'm excited to fill these gaps in my yeah. reading history because yeah. it is sort of like the thing where it's like, like, do you remember when I read Corregidora yeah. by Gail Jones, mm-hmm. which is another just amazing, amazing book about mm-hmm. a jazz singer in the 60s or the 40s. I only read it once, so I don't super remember. Uh, but it was one of those things. It's like, why? I feel like I'm pretty like, in the zeitgeist, like I feel like I, if I have, like I feel like I, I know a lot about classic literature. If I haven't read a lot of classic literature, yeah, I had never heard of Gail Jones. Yeah, and even you might have even been in the freight room that day. I said to another one of our coworkers who has worked in bookstores for 50 years, mm-hmm. like, just so knowledgeable. Like, for example, yeah. I asked him if he knew what Corregidora was, and he goes, well, I think it was a Portuguese man award. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, and so it's just, it's just been such a, like, a pleasurable mm-hmm. experience to really, yeah. like, like plug in these things for me. So we are planning a Black History Month show. We just like really really want to do our homework. The next show. um, And, you know, February is only half over at this point when we're recording this. So um, our next episode, which is going to be the second Wednesday of next month. Yes. um, 
is going to be sort of a roundup of all of the books that we read this month, which is going to be very exciting because there have been some really good ones. So good. <laughs> so good. I've read so much good memoir. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's been. I'm excited. And Sula. And God, Sula. I'm so excited to talk to you about Sula I next know. time, Carrie. No, I'll probably read it again, honestly. Like, yeah. I just want to read it again. It's that kind of book to me. Um, yeah. So good. And Toni Morrison and Fran Lebowitz were like BFFs. I know. I love that. I was like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I feel like when you sort of have, because I read, I read, like, Beloved. Yeah. When I was, I wasn't in high school. I might have been in high school. I didn't read it for school, but I might have been in high school. And then I, I remember just like, <laughs> I was in an airport uh-huh. and I was like, <laughs> I was like stuck on like a long layover and I read Beloved and I think I read it in one sitting during mm-hmm. my layover and so I'd be reading it and it's one of those books that just makes like, it's just like that makes the earth shake. Yeah. And I remember just like, I kept looking up and there was like an Auntie M's pretzels <laughs> right in front of me <laughs> and I'd just be like looking at people getting pretzels and like kind of cocking my head and being like, what? <laughs> like, how can, how can these two things yeah. coexist? What a weird setting to be reading that book. I'm reading that book right now, actually. Uh, and it's, I mean, oh, it's uh, so beautiful. I'm just ready. I just want to read all of, I want to read her whole catalog now. Yeah. I don't know why it's taking me so long. Yeah. But I'm here. I'm yeah. it. We're doing it. Yeah. So we are looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. we are Dummy Copy. Yeah. And, and we will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. Decades to decide I need decision Decades to decide I will never